job as white people. Just know until we walk into the gates of the kingdom, we gon' stand here united, ready to Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Okay, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Brother Jamoke, if you can hear me, we cannot hear you. Welcome to Conversations, Reparations, uh, this Monday night broadcast, this program broadcast on the first and third Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the Black Talk Radio Network and Time for Awakening Radio. Uh, Brother Jamoke, are you there? You may have to use your phone. It looks like you're using your computer, and I don't know if you have a mic or not, and it's not picking you up. So, um, listeners, give me just a second. This is Scotty, your sound engineer, as I um, get this issue resolved. We'll be right back in just a second. Criticism, so talk of prison and homicide, cause they're making a killing off the No, we won't renounce. 
ain't all about the dough, but my people still pull. Reparations is due, so just give me what you owe. One present of one contact, free and bar, free to land. Wanna give a shout out to Ed Cobra. Yo, reparations is due. George Bush, give me what the fuck you owe, motherfucker. Yeah. All right, brother Jamaica, Jamoke, are you there? Because we are not hearing any sound from you. Uh, let's see here. Yes, we are certainly not hearing any sound. Um, so he already, uh, brother Jamoke already let me know what the plan was tonight. Uh, we have a youth commission, excuse me, a youth event that occurred. There was a, a conference concerning the youth, and we do want to go into that. It's the NCOBRA Youth Commission Online Youth Summit. Uh, this is pre-recorded audio that we're going to listen to. Unfortunately, right as we got started, uh, Brother Jamoke's mic went out, uh, so we'll try to resolve that before the end of the broadcast, um, but please uh, go ahead and check out um, this audio from the Youth Commission Youth Summit, which occurred over the weekend. And let me go ahead and get started with that. Okay. Where, where Beto O'Rourke could hear directly from his constituents. In Congress, he successfully enacted laws that improved access to health care for veterans. He added urgent mental health resources for service members and permanently protected thousands of acres of natural land. As a leading voice on immigration and a lifelong advocate for the United States-Mexico uh, border, Beto organized a 2,000-person Father Day March to Tornillo to raise awareness of family separation. He will continue returning to the camp until all of the children were successfully released. In March of 2017, Beto launched a historic 19-month campaign to represent all 28 million Texans in the U.S. Senate, running the largest grassroots campaign the state of Texas has ever seen. He rejected all money from political action committees and personally visited each one of the 254 counties of Texas as he held over 350 town hall discussions for the first time voters to go to the polls. Beto was married to Amy, and they are raising their three children, Ulysses, Molly, and Henry, in El Paso. So we look forward to hearing from uh, uh, presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke, who will be joining us in just in a few minutes. I want to introduce you um, quickly to uh, one of our national co-chairs, uh, Queen Mother Mashariki Jawanza. Peace and blessings, Queen Mother. Peace and blessings, Brother Jabbar, and thank you so much for doing this. We are very excited to have you on. Um, could you share uh, one thing about Encobra? It's a very culturally based organization. Can you share that the co-chairs have both a male and a female and the reason why that is? Uh, we believe in balance. And uh, so most of our commissions, uh, as well as, of course, our national co-chairs, uh, uh, we have the, the male and we have, have the female, uh, uh, which gives us a, a, a balance and uh, equity. 
uh, and that's what uh, we are primarily about, have been about for the past 30 years. Wonderful. Thank you. And also joining us, who's going to share her essay, one of our uh, NCOBRA youth members. You uh, want to share your name, young lady? My name is Azali Fortier. Wonderful. And so thank you so much for being on. And we were excited to uh, read your essay and declare you the winner uh, of the essay contest. So at this time, feel free to uh, share what you wrote or some of what you wrote. Um, I wrote an essay called Reparations Now, 400 Years of Terror. Unkept Promises. As slavery was coming to an end, we, African Americans, were promised 40 acres and a mule as a form of reparations from the president, from the president and the government of the United States. This promise was made official on January 16th, 1865. Of course, we were happy until we knew it was an empty promise. After all the work we had done, all the back-breaking work, all of our efforts, after all of our efforts, but of course, at this time, we were not stable enough to do something about it. And even though it took 400 years, we are ready. So now we must get up, stand up, and say reparations now. I say yes to reparations. You may be wondering why I have such a strong opinion on this subject. Well, as a people, it is our responsibility to fight for our rights, our families, and ourselves. Since the world still has a debt that has yet to be paid, we must fight for it. By fighting for it, we will be fighting for ourselves, our families, our rights, and our future. So you might be wondering, well, what you must be paid for if African Americans are thriving in the world? Well, my answer to you is, and I don't say this in any disrespectful way, but you must be blind or the world doesn't care so it just sweeps it under the rug. And the answer is both because you have been trained only to see the bad stereotype based things about black people because a lot of people cover it up. Reasons for reparations. Now you must be like, we get your point, reparations now. Well, I'm saying I'm going to make sure you get the point. It's a right. We are still being hurt and white supremacy is still going on. White people have the power and money. They have continued to break their promises and they have continued to cover it up. They are thinking several years ahead and ha they have us African-American people so brainwashed that we can't even see it. It's not right. Not only do they owe us from slavery and segregation, they owe us now from the, for the trauma and the pain, the hurt they say we don't feel because we are not human. Well, they are obviously not human because they treat us the same ways. They are just hiding it better and better. It's not right. They keep holding us back and killing the black population. And as we are getting killed one by one, the world is watching and they see, but their hearts are so dead that when they see they're killing people, they watch not in fear, but in hope that one day whites will rise to power and African-Americans will be inferior once and for all. Well, I 
say that dream of theirs has to die. But first, but the first step is getting our reparations and getting our fair share. Because we built this country. We worked, bled, and died on the land where we are today. Let's make our ancestors proud and get what we are owed. How would you feel? Now imagine you're a slave and you pro were promised some justice. And it's been 400 years since slavery ended, but you still haven't got it paid or an apology for the years that you have been forced to work. You can't cross over because your life's mission has not been completed. So you spend 400 years waiting to get your reparations and your people for your people to stand up for themselves wondering how much longer you will have to wait. Well, I just have one question. How would you feel? I know I would be annoyed and ready to start a war. We must finish the unfinished business so that these ghosts can finally rest in peace. I hope. I hope you have joined, enjoyed and the most importantly learned something from this essay. My name is Azali Fortier. My name means great kindness. So let's do something kind and vote out Trump. Kick white supremacy out and get what belongs to us. Let's make things right. Let's live our best lives. Let's help our ancestors rest in peace. Let's do all of these things because I hope for a better world where we can all live in peace. I hope we can finally come together and do what we must do. One day, I hope one day, I can look back over my history and say the world was always against us, and yet we always came to together to defeat the world. I hope that as you're reading this and you're getting ready to help my dream, you're getting ready to help my dreams become their reality. Thank you. Okay, it seems to be an issue with the video where we're not getting sound from the per person that's trying to speak right now. Let me see what's going on here. Hi. Uh, and so welcome to, uh, to the uh, Youth Summit. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for having me. And I, I tuned in just to catch the, the last part of the essay that was just read, I, I believe by Zali, I may uh, be mispronouncing the, the name, but found what I heard to be very powerful and grateful that I got to, to listen and, and very grateful to you for the invitation to be here. So very, very much looking forward to it. Excellent. We're going to jump right into our uh, first question. We appreciate you taking these questions. It says, there are many different perspectives about what is old and how we should go about awarding reparations. As president, what process would you put in place to bring reparations for descendants of enslaved Africans in the United States into reality? I think the, the best possible path begins with bringing every American onto the same page, the same page of, of knowledge and the same page of our history to understand this country's foundation, not at 
the 4th of July, 1776, but the 20th of August, 1619. And, and to understand that the outcomes that we see today, 10 times the wealth in white America than there is in black America, or a maternal mortality crisis that is three times as deadly for women of color than it is for white women, or in Texas, and this may be true in other parts of the country, but a five-year-old child in a kindergarten classroom is five times as likely to be suspended or expelled if he or she is a child of color than is a white child for the same infraction in front of the same teacher in, in the same school. A, a schoolhouse to jailhouse pipeline, in other words, it begins in kindergarten when, when that child is absolutely defenseless against this system. Um, when, when we think about the fact that racism has been institutionalized, that white supremacy is not just uh, a specter from the past or something we might have to be afraid of in the future, but is as alive and well in America today as perhaps it, it ever was, then I think it is very necessary that all of us in America, especially people who look like me, um, listen to those who have borne the brunt of this racism in, in every part of their lives and understand that the wealth, the success, the greatness of America was built on the backs of those who had no choice but to do it and whose descendants still are not able to fully participate in this country's economy, in our democracy, in life in, in America today. So Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, my former colleague in, in the House who represents Houston in the Congress, has introduced a bill, I think previously introduced by John Conyers, that would begin this process of reparations by bringing to the table uh, the country, and, and importantly, those who have faced the consequences of this racism through Jim Crow and segregation and suppression and the consequences and legacy of slavery, to make sure that we all come up to the same page and then address repairing the injustice and then committing to not committing this same injustice on, on future generations. So as president, I would gratefully sign that legislation into law, participate as fully as I could in listening to my fellow Americans on this issue, and not allowing that to prevent us from doing some of the things that we need to do now, uh, address school segregation that is as bad or worse today than it was in 1954 on the eve of Brown versus Board, and commit spending more than $20 billion a year on minorities serving school districts and schools, address a, a, a teacher gap right now. We, we know that that disparity in discipline is not just a matter of equality, but of equity. And if we are hiring and retaining more teachers who look like their students, we're going to see better outcomes. And I'll make sure that we have that teacher pipeline and commit half a billion dollars a year to investing in HBCUs and MSIs that will produce those teachers that we need in our classrooms. That maternal mortality crisis invests not just in universal health care, but in home health care uh, for black women in this country. And that means midwives and doulas and those who can address not just maternal mortality, but infant mortality that is greater today between black America and white America than it was in 1850. Um, getting more capital out into the community, black women are starting and growing businesses at 14 times the rate of the rest of this country right now. So that is economic growth and job creation, if I've ever seen it. Let's make sure that more capital is made available, especially after a history of redlining 
in America. And in fact, not just the history, it is alive and well in America today. So our administration would double the size of community development finance institutions that can deploy capital to those who are creating and growing businesses today in America. So, so all of those things can happen at the same time that we sign into law that reparations bill and, and ensure that this country has a conversation that for 400 years we have not had that must happen now if we're going to make progress on, on any of these issues. Thank you. Thank you for that detailed answer. Uh, follow-up question is, as a politician, you know political promises are not always kept. What about your past track record tells a voter that you are serious about making reparations a reality? It's a good question. Um, I think part of it is in the answer I just gave you, um, the things that I just said, um, I'm saying all across America. And uh, I'm saying those in all white audiences in communities like in Iowa, where African-Americans constitute 3% of the population in that state. But it's very important um, to the point that we were just discussing that we don't just say what is important to those when it's convenient. Uh, We say it, especially when it is difficult. And I've been saying, talking about this reparations bill and, and the need to make progress on these issues everywhere in America. Talking about gun violence, for example, in um, one of the reddest states, one of the proudest gun-owning states in the country, Texas, and, and doing it in every community, no matter how red or how blue, how big or how small. And talking about gun violence, not just in those sensational mass shootings, including at schools, although we're talking about that because it's important, but talking about the day-to-day, day-in-day in many communities that literally never makes the headlines, uh, whose names are, are never heard, where attention is never paid, and elevating their stories and investing in uh, violence reduction and intervention before the first shots are fired, and then in investing in the, the, the care for those who have lived through trauma in their communities, in their neighborhoods, and in their lives. So my track record as a candidate, my track record as a member of Congress addressing these issues, my track record on the El Paso City Council, where I stood up to the police union and voted against the police contract because I thought that there was impunity and a lack of accountability uh, in terms of how force is used and against whom force is used. When you have far too many African-Americans in my community of El Paso, Mexican-Americans, unarmed, being shot and, and killed by police officers. So it wasn't just me talking about it. It was me voting that way uh, and against uh, popular opinion and the rest of my colleagues on city council because it's just the right thing to do. And I'm going to make sure that I always do the right thing. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, man, we greatly appreciate your time. Uh, we, uh, I was committed to your, your your staff. You were very intent. You told me 10 minutes that you were going to be strict on it. We're right at 7. Um, but we have uh, college students, um, HBCU students from Alabama, Louisiana. I don't know how, how well you're doing in Alabama. There's a lot of them from Alabama on the line. What would you have to say to these college students now that are first-time voters that are, are looking to you for uh, some wisdom and some guidance, particularly on reparations? In this last minute or two, what would your, your closing words be to these college students? I want to tell you that I'm looking to you. Um, and, and that's why I've traveled 
and spent time at so many HBCUs across this country. Um, to be able to give the uh, commencement address at, at Paul Quinn College uh, at the end of the, the last semester, one of the highest honors of my life. To go to North Carolina A&T and be in a place that really was fundamental to launching a civil rights revolution in this country, where four students on February 1st of 1960 went to that Woolworths, ordered coffee, and began the process by which they would integrate not just at lunch counter, but help to integrate all places of public accommodation in America. Really, thanks to them and, and other young people, many from HBCUs, that we have the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. As a Texan, sometimes we're tempted to give Lyndon Baines Johnson the credit. He really did what this country forced him to do. And those young people who shocked the conscience of America are the ones who made it possible. And so in that spirit, uh, I see those who are fighting for climate justice right now. I see Black Lives Matter. Uh, I see those who are fighting for dreamers to be able to live without fear of deportation back to a country that they do not know whose language they do not speak because they want them to be U.S. citizens here in this country in, in the strongest, in the best traditions of service and sacrifice. And so I want you to know that I am inspired, that I will continue to follow your lead, I'll continue to show up, I'll, I'll continue to listen and to learn. And I'm grateful to every one of you who I've met along the way, who's given me a chance uh, to be there and to be part of the conversation. So very grateful, very inspired. I uh, want to do everything that I can to support the leadership that you are showing. So thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Better O'Rourke, we greatly appreciate you coming on, uh, wishing you great luck and success in your pre presidential candidate run. And Lord willing, we'll be seeing each other again. Wishing you the best. Hope so. Let's, let's make it a point. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Thanks for having me out. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Be well. All right. So we heard from presidential candidate, Better O'Rourke. I don't know how much better it gets than that for our young people to see um, people at the highest office running for the highest office in the country, talking to you directly. That's how important you are. That's how significant you are. That's how incredible and amazing you are, how much ability you have to affect change. And so we're going to go back to our um our co-chair, uh, Queen Mother Mashariki, and I say Queen Mother, can you give us, you know, I know that's a, a, a cultural thing, but give us a little understanding. Um, I put, what do you say, put some respect on her name. Put some respect on it. Why did they call you Queen Mother, Queen Mother Mashariki? Can you hear me? Yes. I was um, uh, actually initiated in uh, Ghana, West Africa as the Queen Mother. Uh, 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 in the Volta region, uh, Tefle uh, traditional area, uh, went through a rites of passage. Uh, after the 10-day rites of passage, I was then uh, elevated as a queen mother. Uh, I have a village there called uh, uh, Potome. Uh, and uh, right now we are sponsoring young people uh, to go to one of the private schools uh, in one of the major cities uh, out of, uh, from the village uh, uh, to the private school and hopefully to move beyond. Uh, I was so glad to hear the essay uh, winner. Uh, we had attempted to uh, bring in some of the children from Ghana in that essay contest. Just uh, the time got away from us. Uh, I will be going to Ghana uh, in December 
uh, and the children are awaiting me uh, because they do want to talk about reparations. And so uh, I hope our next uh, essay contest, and uh, uh, I'm assuming we will have more than one, uh, right. that we possibly can have an intercultural uh, exchange uh, with them. Uh, but I was initiated uh, as a queen mother uh, from Ghana. I didn't do it myself. Beautiful, beautiful. I think it's important, you know, we're talking to young people today that we learn about rites of passage. And because quite honestly, there's a, there's been a imposed, you know, a, there's been a, a a gap between the old and the young or the elders and the young ones, but it's been purposely put there, you know. And so uh, we want to get caught up on a little bit of the history of the NCOBRA Youth Commission which you were going to share with us today. Please help us to get caught up on a little bit of this history and a little bit about this great man, Imari Obadeli. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I would like to start off uh, by honoring uh, our ancestors. Uh, uh, I stand on the shoulders of uh, Queen Mother Moore, uh, of Imari Obadeli, of uh, Njeri Agani, Dorothy Lewis, uh, Reparations Ray, uh, and these are some of the uh, originators uh, of NCOBRA. Uh, and of course, as many of you know, some of you may not know, uh, NCOBRA, uh, we just celebrated 30 years, uh, which came out of the uh, uh, National Conference of Black Lawyers. Uh, uh, Imari Obadeli was at a conference. Uh, Sister Adwa Aratoa was uh, head of a workshop and after that, the two of them got their heads together, and uh, uh, Baba uh, uh, Imari uh, initiated Encobra. Encobra, uh, then as of now, is a um, uh, coalition of organizations and individuals whose primary purpose, our sole purpose, is to win reparations for our people. So when you look at the structure of, of NCOBRA, you talked earlier about the male-female uh, uh, national co-chairs. We also have that that kind of permeates our various commissions. Our commissions are our work. One of those commissions is the Youth Commission, uh, which of course you have been appointed as the, the, the male co-chair. Um, and uh, when I first got into NCOBRA, well, let me go back a little further. When I first was introduced to even reparations, uh, we were fighting to release the RNA-11, the Republic of New Africa. This is when the police stormed their headquarters in Mississippi, arrested them. Of course, Bob Obadelli uh, was not at the home they arrested him. They had to release him. They later arrested him for another chunked-up charge. He ended up doing five years. So when I first got into the movement, uh, uh, Sister and Jerry and Bob Hannibal uh, was telling me, hey, we have to fight for the RNA-11 to get them out. And eventually uh, 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 that, that did happen. And so the various commissions were put together uh, for our work. And I'm saying all that to say that the Youth Commission, of course, was formed before I got into leadership. And it used to be uh, pretty much populated by our college students. Brother Obadeli uh, was a professor at Perry uh, A&M. And at every convention, he would bring a group of students with him. And those students uh, uh, pretty much uh, populated the, uh, uh, the Youth Commission and did the work of the Youth Commission. 
and uh, we are moving forward. For a couple of years, it's been kind of dormant. Uh, uh, leadership was, you know, not what it should be. And so now we have uh, great admiration and uh, inspiration uh, by yourself and Sister Yomi uh, heading this youth commission. And I heard you say that there were numerous college students uh, on this uh, uh, call. So I'm hoping that they will be also inspired. We all know that our, our, uh, our children are our future. They are the reward of life. And young people provide the energy to push us forward. Um, you know, they don't create the way. Uh, that's the elder's job. But we need their energy to push us forward. I can't hear you. Thank you, Queen Mother, uh, for that. Oh, answer. okay. Um, we we have some some other giants on the line. There's so much more to be said to to unpack. Just that little bit that you gave us around what rites of passages are, around uh, what the uh, Republic of New Africa is and was. Um, and there's, there's, there's a lot of depth and a lot of history that we really have to come back and draw out. So we look forward to having more conversations with our youth about this rich history and legacy that they're inheriting. And I'm telling them right now that they say, you know, a lot of old people don't want to let go of the torch. They don't want to pass the torch. Well, I'm saying I met some that do, okay? <laughs> I met some yeah. that do want to pass the torch and that are ready and that are prepared to share the knowledge the wisdom, the experience, so that our young people can carry this torch to wherever it needs to go, whatever challenges that we face during that period of time. So thank you again, Queen Mother, for joining us as we move on with our program. <laughs> that was your chance to say peace, bye, holla, see y'all later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Asante Sana, uh, peace and blessings. Uh, I hope to stay on for a little while because I, wa I want to hear uh, uh, more of the conversation. I hope young people uh, uh, will speak up so we can uh, uh, answer any questions that, that they may have. Uh, and I'm hoping when everything is done, again, that uh, young people will see uh, uh, we need them to be involved with us. Uh, we all are getting older and uh, 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 this movement uh, uh, we're not done with it yet. So we still have a lot of work to do. So Asante San for Thank everybody uh, being a participant in this. Thank you. Absolutely. I uh, now I have my uh, my my Baba from uh, Snick on the line somewhere, and I can't seem to find him where his name is. If he's able to uh, send me a smoke signal, send me some kind of a <laughs> message here to let me know that he's on the line. Um, I can't seem to find him. I see uh, Baba Jamoke there raising his hand, but we are uh, continuing with our program. We're here with the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. We just heard from uh, presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke. We just heard from our essay contest winner there who read an amazing essay supporting reparations at a very young age, showing the strong leadership that our NCOBRA youth are displaying. And I'm looking for um, my Baba from SNCC, who was uh, going to be come on and be next. And I also don't see uh, Cam, our other uh, coach here on the line either. But we are uh, steadily pushing forward. And 
when they when they uh, reappear, they can uh, connect with me through however uh, they can through this Zoom. But I wanted to. Uh, hey, let me let me let me interrupt you just a second because Brother Mukasa is trying to call in. Um, he can hear us very well, but um, he can't seem to. We can't seem to hear him. Is there a way you can open his mic or? Could, he, could you call him direct? How can we get him in? Um, I don't see him on the. Uh, I, I, he, you said he called in, or he is. Uh... He called in, brother Mukasa. You still on the line? You can hang up and call back into uh, the participant link. Okay. He okay. Do that, brother Jabbar. He's going to hang up with me now. And okay. call back in on a participant link. Okay. All right. Peace. Okay, do that, Baba. All right. In the meantime, I have our uh, one of our great elders here, Baba Jamoke, uh, great uh, leader for the NCOBRA National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. Like he's been very patient and holding his hand up. I think he may have something, some uh, knowledge to share with us. Uh, Baba Jamoke, did you have something that you uh, wanted to share with us? Um, Pulling your, pulling you up and taking you off mute. How you did, Baba Jamoke? There you go. I see you. All right. Are you uh, able to unmute your? Yes. There you go. Welcome, uh, Baba Jamoke. Please tell us what, uh, introduce yourself, please. Sure. My name is Brother Jamoke Fetayo. I currently serve as the Southeast Regional Representative of Incobra. I was also the past National Male Co-Chair of Incobra. Uh, really, I just kind of <laughs> had my hand up, hand up earlier because you, you, you were talking and you were muted. That's, I was trying to get your attention, that's all. But uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to the youth. Uh, and be a part of this program. Uh, this very, very important aspect of our movement in terms of passing on the torch, passing on, I like to say passing on the flame of the torch to the young people because some elders is okay for them to continue to hold the torch because they're still doing great work, right? So they pass on, so I innovated a little bit. I say that the elders pass on the flame to the next generation so they can continue to have the fire to move us forward uh, in this what movement. And also, I <clears throat> want to appreciate um, Queen Mother Marsha Riki in bringing forward those ancestral names that we stand on in terms of doing this work. Uh, you know, in addition to marking the 50th, in addition to marking the 400th anniversary of, of the Africans being descendants coming to this country, we also marked the 50th anniversary of something called the Black Manifesto, which is a call by James Foreman and others who voted in favor of it at a conference in Detroit to move forward the agenda of reparations through the church community and a faith-based community to challenge them to put money into the reparations movement as a beginning step in the reparations movement. So a lot has happened over the years. There's a lot of history to talk about, but there's also a lot much more going on right now that's so exciting. You know, we have different states that are putting forward reparations resolutions. We have different cities that are putting forward reparations resolutions. So. Uh, we could go to the history or we could go to the present. But either way, again, there's a lot going on and we're really excited that the uh, Youth Commission took this 
initiative to work on engaging our young people more in the reparation movement. Sante. Thank you, Baba. Uh, Queen Mother had another point that she wanted to make, and I wanted to make sure she got that in. Hey there, Queen Mother. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, I wanted to point out, you know, we believe in operational unity and how it doesn't matter what you call yourself. As long as you believe reparations are due, we all can work together. And I wanted to point out when Bob Obadelli was in prison, um, John Conyers was called and he made a few calls to make sure he was all right. But Rosa Parks, the queen mother of the civil rights movement, called the prison on a regular basis and told them to keep their hands off Obadali. And I wanted to point that out uh, because many times we don't understand uh, or we cause, we create divisions among ourselves. This is not the time, brothers and sisters, to be divided. This is a time for us to come together. Again, you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, but those of us who are the survivors of the, we are all one, and we need to understand that. So I just wanted to make that point. Uh, uh, it might be the civil rights movement, the black power movement. We are all one, and we should all lift our voices for reparations. Sante Sana. Excellent. Thank you, Queen Mother, for sharing that. I think we have uh, discovered our our, uh, our guests. Baba, can you hear us? Mic check. I think you're unmuted now. If you unmute your own phone. Are you there? 678-777. Mukasha. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, now we're cooking with gasoline. Peace and blessings. Oh, good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the call. I uh, Thank am, you, Brother Africa. I'm very excited. Um, one thing is deeply important to me uh, is our young people, is our future. But, but in my studies, I've learned the significance of an organization called the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Uh, the powerful organization uh, that produced giants such as Kwame Ture or, or uh, Stokely Carmichael, you might know him by, that produced the uh, Marion Berries, that produced the H. Rap Browns, have produced so many giants that we have on the line with us today to share some of this wisdom about youth organizing the significance of young people and their ability to make change. So, Bob, if you want to just introduce yourself to uh, the listeners and, and jump right into uh, our role of youth and young adults in the reparations movement. Well, thank you very much. I was in the SCNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and the biggest challenge that the uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee presented was uh, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, the Albany Movement, and a host of other organizations that it built, and the Black Panther Party, and it's a host of other organizations that it built uh, throughout its existence. One of the things that SNCC did, it built organizations in every community. And I wanted to make that point to say that each and every one of us who talking about any kind of uh, reparation or anything, the first step is organization. We must build a worldwide organization 
fighting for our liberation. Liberation is something you have to fight and take. And reparation is something we have to disrupt this country and disrupt the world to demand and to take back what belongs to us in the world. And our land is Africa. It's full of diamonds, gold, oil, rubber, zinc, tea, copper, pearl. Everything is in Africa. And we take Africa back. We will pay ourselves reparations. And we will stop these rapists and thieves from raping and robbing and murdering Africa like they've been doing for the last 500 years. Our fight is against imperialism and the capitalistic system. And the only way we can liberate and get back what belongs to us is revolution like they're doing in North Vietnam, in Vietnam. Uh, in China and other parts of the world. The first thing you want to do is to take your land back. And the same people who talking about paying us reparation are the same ones that still raping and robbing and plunging Africa and committing genocide on African people throughout the world. So I'm saying that we need revolution. And that uh, I understand that you got a young lady, uh, Miss Ole, is coming on air. She's a good little revolutionary, and she's working and organizing all over the world. She's a good, strong person. Her mama was kind of tough. It was a strong warrior. So we have to be warriors for the liberation of our people, and we'll never be free until Africa's free. So keep demanding organ, uh, reparation, but you must join organization and be part of a liberation movement. Don't just be an individual, but join an organization and work for the liberation of Africa and the liberation of our country. We want our land, Africa, back, and Africa can solve our problems. Yeah, thank, thank you for uh, setting that tone for us. Tell us a little bit about how SNCC got started, a little bit about um, how, how you all uh, went about the organizing work that you, that you did. And if you could, you know, kind of help us bring it up to modern day and time with these students uh, that we have on the line, what they actually need to be doing to begin the uh, the organizing process. Well, one of the things that uh, uh, that brought Snick about was the oppression of our people in, and and they wanted liberation. So what they did, they started the sit-in movement in Greensboro, and then when the oppressor attacked our children and put them in jail, students all over the country uh, began to spontaneously respond. And then one of the most important things, uh, Ella Beck, including Dr. King, pulled the group together in Raleigh, North Carolina. All the met in Raleigh, North Carolina, came together, and Ella Beck informed us that we need an organization, and we formed the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And one of the things that the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee created, or we were organizers, not mobilizers, but organized in every town that we would go into, we would form a youth organization, a youth movement. We would form an organization for the elders, like Miss Heyman knows, and many others, uh, all been a movement, the uh, uh, Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, some kind of movement, but there were many, hundreds of movements that we would create local leadership and local organization. We started the Black Panther Party in Lyons County, Alabama, with the young people down there. We picked up guns and demanded our freedom and liberation. And one of the things that we realized that when the students went to the South, one of the main targets they went at was the students in the high school, junior high schools. And we went out there and we got with them and they started uh, protesting, demonstrating, and we formed organization among the youth. And at the same time, we formed schools. All y'all should have books in your hand. All you should begin to study revolution, see what a revolution is, because revolution is more than just the emotions. It's when you get organized and you can see concrete things that you're doing. One of the concrete things that SNCC did, uh, we formed uh, um, 
freedom schools and where people began to express themselves and we began to read to them and teach them how to read and tell them and let them see international things and link them up with other movements around the country. Later, it began to link with people around the world, South Africa, Angola, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Vietnam, Palestine, and other groups. We began to link, and by doing this, we began to, uh, people like Ho Chi Minh and, 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 uh, and Cuban president uh, began to show us that our fight was not just against uh, white racism, but it was a we're fighting against imperialism, and this is the international movement, an international monster that's raping and robbing the world for its natural resource and raping and robbing the people for its labor. So I'm saying to all the youth, you have to get organized, and many of you see the need for organization. That's why they form these little groups they call gangs and what have you, but they're no different than frats and other sororities and police departments and all kind of other things out here. They're gangs too. So we definitely need organization. I think I you see the need for it, but we got to politicize our brothers and sisters out here with the so-called gangs and whatever and let them see who the real enemy uh, is and begin to educate them about uh, uh, Pan-Africanism, begin to educate them about Africa. We need identity. We're the only people who walk around here don't have a language, don't have our culture, don't have our history that history and don't have no information about ourselves. So we have to begin to make do that and then by doing that we'll make greater demands and we have to become a threat to this society. In the 60s we became a threat. When we started burning down these cities and, and going against them, every war that they fought, we was on the side of the people they were fighting against and we began came a threat here and we forced ourselves and made ourselves stronger. But when you're just talking and don't have organization, don't have movement, and don't become a real threat to society, then they don't basically pay you no attention. We need to let them know that we will fight anybody until they're dead, until we liberate Africa, liberate our land, liberate our territory. And we call this philosophy Pan-Africanism. And that's why we went to all the different schools. When our children went to the white schools, we went there and we formed black student unions among all the students and told them to get organized. We went there and we uh, helped them take over schools and institutions and demand black studies and African studies where they could learn more about the pilgrims and, and the white people that they were learning about but the, in Europe but they could learn about Africa. They could learn about Ghana, Mali, Songhai, Zimbabwe, and thousands of other kings and empires and history that we had uh, in Africa because we recognized that just going there and learn about them people and not learn about ourselves, then you have no strength and you have no power. So one of the things that came out of SNCC was also Black Student Unions, Black Studies Department, and we, de and we demand organization. But the first step, into doing anything is building an organization where you need a worldwide relation movement that would include the Caribbean, that would include Africa, that would include wherever we are in the world because many places in the world we still can stand there. Our diamond, our gold, our oil, our silver is still coming out of Africa. They still dropping bombs on Libya, dropping bombs on Yemen, uh, commit genocide on our people in the Congo, which is probably the richest uh, 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 land in the world of Congo itself. They still don't want Africa to unite and become a United States of Africa. 
they still trying to stop the world from becoming socialists where the workers and the peasants and the poor people would take over their labor. Take okay, the audio seemed to cut off, but that's right on cue. Let me go ahead and uh, bring the host on, uh, Brother Jamoke. You there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, we have someone from area code 203. I, I'm, I don't uh, memorize numbers, so I don't know if that's Sister Bonita or not. Um, if that, if uh, one of the scheduled guests or the other host is on the line, hit star star to unmute yourself. I'm turning it over to you, Brother Jamoke, and follow your lead. Okay. Yeah, I just saw um, Brother Hashim come on, Hashim Jabbar, who coordinated the virtual summit that you just heard uh, excerpts from and that number is the uh, 937 number out of Dayton, yes. Ohio okay great so yeah so you've been listening to a I guess somewhat of a rebroadcast of capturing some of the highlights from the virtual summit that was put on by uh, I can't I can't say uh, honestly I've been listening um, I'm in uh, traveling I'm here in North Dakota I'm working with our uh, indigenous really pushing forward on a lot of of the injustice but I'm happy to uh, answer any questions okay his line actually dropped it sounds like he has a bad connection but let me just say this brother Jamoke okay, if you, you need yes yes it was his audio but if you need to go right. over the 10 o'clock hour just take as much time as you need okay all right yeah, so um, what would, yeah, just, okay. So what we, yeah, so you've been listening to, again, you've been listening to uh, highlights from the virtual summit um, geared towards students and young people that was put on by the Encobra Youth Commission. The Encobra Youth Commission is, uh, the male co-chair is Hashem. Jabbar, as well as the female co-chair is Sister Abayomi out of Selma, Alabama. And so we just thought it was important because we know many people may or may not heard that broadcast on October the 4th, so we decided to bring you some highlights from that and that make that somewhat the theme for today's discussion. Now, I just wanted to go back and, and just speak, um, bring in um, a few more little details or historical information about some of the things that you just heard. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to acknowledge Sister Azalia, who is a middle school student. And I was hoping Sister Yomi would be on the air to tell us exactly how old she is or what grade level she is. But I know that she's a middle school student that read that essay. And she's actually the granddaughter of Fire Toure, who, and her and Hank Sanders, who are longtime activists in Selma, as well as her mother is also the current state senator in um, Selma in Alabama. So we're very glad to, uh, to hear her um, powerful essay that won an essay competition that Encobra had earlier this year. And then also just wanted to um, mention a few things that Mama Queen Mother Marsariki mentioned that there was a uh, altercation and shoot uh, where the police captured uh, seven of the leaders of the Republic of New Africa. That was on August 18, 1971. And at the first house where they, they raided the house and shot bullets into the house, uh, no one was injured or, or hurt. Um, there was a police officer that was killed in that altercation. Um, and 
then at the, they went to the next uh, next government house that was um, part of the Republic of New Africa, and that's where Imario Fadeli was. They were already awake, but it wasn't a shootout there. But uh, he was arrested, four people, himself and three others were arrested there, which created the RNA-11. And then also I wanted to go back. She mentioned the, um, some of the history. So on September 11th, 1987, was when there was uh, the National Conference of Black Lawyers had their conference at Harvard Law School. And it was a forum where they were looking at the question of whether or not they felt that reparations could be uh, brought forward without changing the Constitution. And they say, based on what was in the 13th Amendment, they felt that, yes, we could definitely make the reparations demand. And at that part of the people who were on that panel were Chokwe Lumumba, uh, who's now an ancestor, uh, who was a part of the Republic of New Africa at one point and then became the leader of the New African People's Organization. Sister Nkichi Taifa, who also worked with the Republic of New Africa and a founding member of NCOBRA, as well as Imario Badeli, who's one of the founding members of the Republic of New Africa, as she mentioned him, and also a founding member of NCOBRA. Um, NCOBRA began uh, a coalition of people began meeting after that conference in Harvard and uh, began meeting in Washington, D.C., and then officially incorporated in COBRA as an organization, as a coalition of four organizations in February 1988. So I just wanted to uh, edify some of the information that was shared earlier. And then even when you heard me speak and I spoke about James Foreman, it was interesting because we had the powerful Mukasa Dada, who spoke about movement and reparations and revolution. Um, James Foreman, who also, who I mentioned, introduced the Black Manifesto 50 years ago, was also a part of SNCC. So there's a lot of um, things, um, overlapping things, and just wanted to add a little bit more uh, detail to some of the information that was... Well, we do have Brother Jabbar back. Okay. All right. All right. That's fine. And um, so... So I wanted also uh, kind of switch gears just a little bit to say that coming off of this youth summit that was held on the 4th, uh, it's been decided that we wanted to focus our theme around youth and students for our upcoming convention in June 2020 in Selma. And so it's our vision that when we have our different panels and different workshops and plenaries that we will have uh, at least one young person or maybe more on those different panels so we can hear from the youth and get youth leadership perspective on how they plan on contributing to moving forward this conversation reparations and the winning of reparations. And so we wanted to just let people know also that we recently found out about an elementary school who did a who took the, uh, had a special summer project, and and they went to uh, Selma. I imagine they may have went to some other places in Alabama, but we know they went to Selma because they made a video. The teacher, as a part of the assignment, to recap their experience was for them to make a music video, and they made a music video about reparations. And so actually, there was a lot of um, there has been some pushback from the community. Uh, the teacher said she was. She knew that there would be people who were against the idea of reparations, but she was not expecting that they would be so um, vitriol with some of the responses that came to the young people, because they're, again, these elementary school children, and, and there was even death threats and different things like that that were made um, 
towards the young people for producing this video. But we have a clip from the news broadcast that we also have uh, uh, the actual video that they made that we're going to play at the end of the show. I uh, just wanted to see if Brother uh, Jabari wanted to add anything about, you know, the vision and the mission and the, how he felt the summit was, what was achieved, and how we're moving forward with some outcomes from the summit. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Jamal. Okay, you there? You can hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, we can hear you. Yes. We can hear you. Excellent. Summit was excellent, you know, step in the right direction. Uh, we are working hard to get our young people engaged, uh, get them knowledgeable about the history, uh, bring them up to date about all that's going on with the uh, reparation movement. It was excellent to have a uh, presidential candidate come on and uh, actually uh, sit and wait and listen to uh, young sister Azali uh, read her essay and the uh, her expression of what her people have been going through and what she wants to see as a young person um, in regards to her future. So I thought it was great for uh, Beto O'Rourke, you know, presidential candidate, to sit and listen and wait his turn, you know, while the young person finished her essay. And so it was just a great opportunity. It's uh, recorded in history. It's there uh, for the future for everybody to access to uh, gain more knowledge about the reparations movement. Um, the main thing that we have to deal with um, is H.R. 40, is uh, the Senate Bill 1083. And so uh, it's extremely important that young people know and are able to tune in to uh, the reality of getting that bill moving and passed. And so we know a lot of young people have energy. They want to uh, put some work in. They want to uh, do less talking and more working. And so that bill, uh, House Bill, uh, House Resolution 40, as well as the Senate Bill uh, 1083 is where we really want to see uh, them put some effort, some energy, and some motion into uh, getting that bill moved and getting the uh, necessary signatures and co-sponsors on it so that we can go on to the next stage of uh, legislation. Yes, sir. All right. We appreciate that. And and actually, we, we cut the you know the show short. We didn't have time to air the whole show. However, um, Brother Cam did talk about HR 40 and Senate Bill 1083 and how we are working to move that. That was a later part of the virtual summit, uh, youth summit, and and so we appreciate that. We 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 were able to get Brother Mukasa in. I I wanted to. Uh, I didn't really want to cut him either because he's such a powerful and clear yes. visionary and activist. And I wanted to. Yes you know, to get as much of him as we could get in. And I think we got most of his presentation, as well as, as you mentioned, Better Rourke and Sister Zalia. So, again, if you have any closing remarks, we appreciate you taking that initiative and putting forward this summit for our young people. A lot of stuff's been happening on college campuses, even right uh, here in in near Atlanta, University of Georgia. They were been protesting around reparations when they found out about an enslaved cemetery on the Mm -hmm. property and a building that was built over top of that um, cemetery and, and, you know, things that's gone on in Georgetown and many other college campuses. Actually, this week I'm going to a conference called University Setting Slavery, where we'll, we're there again. We'll be talking about slavery and we'll again be raising up the issue of reparations at that. Uh, that's a consortium of 40 colleges. So we know that uh, young people are, are being politicized and energized around this conversation around reparations. We just want to continue to guide
guide them and, and to uh, have them link up with us and, and give us, you know, the energy that we need to continue to push it forward and we can give them the guidance that they need to continue to push it forward. Yes, so the only thing I'll add, uh, Bob Jamoka, and thank you for having us on and for doing this show, um, uh, SNCC, uh, Baba Mukasa uh, Dada was incredible. Um, I, I personally believe SNCC is a uh, foundational stone that all young people should study. All the young people that are doing any kind of organizing around any issue uh, should be looking at SNCC. SNCC has produced so many giants. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, and right. where my, my mayor for life is Marion Berry. You know, people want to say this and talk this and talk bad about Barry and Barry. I tell all of them, shut up, because you sound dumb. You know, that man loved and worked for his people so much that all despite the challenges that he went through, we voted him back into office again and again because of his works. And SNCC was the breeding ground, the breeding ground that produced him that produced H. Rap Brown, that produced Kwame Toure, that produced uh, uh, Ella Baker, and so many other giant leaders that pushed us forward and continue to push us forward today. So SNCC is a necessary study tool that we all must access, that we all must study, and we all must look at so that we can duplicate that same process of leadership development, that same process of what Kwame Toure said, organize, organize, organize. And so when I heard Mukasa Dada speaking, my jaw really hit the ground because his truth was so raw, uncut, and unfiltered, but it was all truth. <laughs> so we should definitely look, man, at SNCC again and again. We should do more, create more programs around how we can study SNCC, create more workshops on how we can uh, uh, study SNCC. We should share more videos about what SNCC did and really push that to our young people to say these are our, our successful young ones that uh, really push the needle forward. And you can do what they did plus more because you have the wins of them at your backs. And so we thought it was extremely important, and we will continue to push the legacy of SNCC Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee forward. And I look forward to uh, sharing more information with uh, about SNCC um, at Selma, and I look forward to uh, following up with uh, Baba Mukasa Dada. All right, very good. All right, thank you, Brother Jabbar. So we, thank you. again, just wanted to, uh, I think, yeah, I agree with you. SNCC is a definitely a powerful learning lesson, the tool that we should look at as a model for, for leadership, organizing, for, as a model for organizing, and as you also said, as a model for leadership development. And so, yeah, let's let's continue to strategize on that on some ways that we can um, create some um, tools for for doing that. And I'd be willing to work with you on that. Hey, brother so, Jamoke. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I think it'd be appropriate to mention that H. Rap Brown is a political prisoner uh, who is in prison. And I saw something um, posted about um, efforts to get him a new trial. Um, you know, he converted to Islam. I, I believe his, his Islamic name is Jamil Alameen. And um, yeah, so, yeah, we should hold him up in prayer and do whatever we can to um, ensure he gets justice, you know, because we ain't free until we are free. Yes, 
and and that's a very good point. That's one thing that uh, Republic of New Africa and in Cobra has always stood strong is on our political prisoners and prisoners of war. As a matter of fact, there was just a recent event. I wasn't able to attend it, but they just had a recent conference on on Imam Jamil Alamin and his case and what you know the history of his case and what's currently being done. And um, matter of fact, I saw some pictures from some people who attended that, and it looked like a very powerful gathering. Um, Brother Sekou Odinga, who was a political prisoner for a long time, was there. Brother Musai Yohosi, who lives in Atlanta, who's also been a political prisoner as well. And um, uh, Dr. Akinle Loja and others were, were a part of that um, profound gathering. And so, yeah, a lot of work is still being done. A lot of it's spearheaded out of Atlanta, where he had his um, community, where, uh, had where his community is based here in Atlanta. And so they continue to uh, have events and, and educate people about his court case and how people can support him. So thank you for putting that in. And yes, Ma'am Jamil Alameen, we definitely look, lift him up and um, we'll continue to do work um, to uh, get him out of prison. And actually the last time I was hearing about him, he was having some challenges with his health. And so that's a whole nother issue that a lot of times uh, some of our political prisoners and prisoners of war get, um, I call it additional torture because sometimes they uh, make it difficult for them to get the proper uh, medical treatment that they deserve even though they are in prison. And um, I think he's, ha he's had some victories around that, but we still need to stay very vigilant in working on him making sure he continues to get the proper health care that he needs as well as ultimately just getting out of jail as he deserves to be uh, released from prison. So, yeah, so segue segueing back, we talked about the theme for the conference, the convention, excuse me, the convention coming up in Selma in June. And one of the visions also is to put together a production that will focus on the history of people of African descent through the lens of reparations. And we hope to get hundreds of young people to be able to see uh, this production and, and to make it and put it in a way with music and video and dance that'll make it entertaining as well as informative so that they will be educated and motivated to continue to organize around this issue of reparations. And so again, I think that when I, I got so excited again when I saw this group of elementary school students who were actually inspired by their trip to Selma, Alabama to put together this video. So let's hear the news clip and then these young people are out of Louisville, Kentucky, which is my birth home, and they and then we will hear the actual uh, video, the actual song, the video that they produced. It's been posted less than a week, and already a music video created by local students is receiving backlash as well as support. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Doug Prophet. This video uses hip-hop to explain the civil rights movement in Alabama. JCPS students created it as a final project in an extra credit summer course. Now the teacher behind the video is using it to teach students not only about history, but cyberbullying and compassion. Paulina Butska has the story. This is just a way, a visual way for students to understand the history 
and to break down. This is a, a video with heavy content. It is. Resource teacher Nyree Clayton Taylor of Wheatley Elementary School knew when she assigned her students this end of summer hip hop video project, she'd have some backlash. But today, she's teaching a hard lesson in compassion and cyberbullying. I told them that people are not going to believe in reparations, and that's fine. But I didn't think that they were going to get attacked. You know, their babies. The video is to illustrate their support for the movement on slave reparations. The effort to have the government pay the descendants of slaves for past injustices. Crowded in a circle, the students are reading some of these comments aloud. LL at the end with all the hundreds for the confidential. Combined. Combined welfare checks and after they pawned the stolen electronics they had. While racial slurs and negative comments were used towards the kids, others have concerns with the guns in the video. Why is it that most students don't understand that Harriet Tubman had, had a gun? We know George Washington had a gun. It's, it's just... It's just history. Standing firmly in her belief that her students who wrote the lyrics and produced the video are in the right, Nyree does have this warning. Those are conversations that you have watching the video. You don't put the video in front of a student and expect them to kind of unpack it themselves. Well, Dr. Kevin Cosby, the president of Simmons College, has also been a leading voice for reparations. He told us tonight, we should applaud these kids for going beneath the surface of American history that is taught on a superficial level. Dr. Cosby was so impressed with these kids and their New Age approach, he invited them to perform next week at Simmons College during their forum week on reparations. Doug? Just having some technical issues. Give me a second and I will get that uh, actual uh, song up for you. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, I closed it by mistake. I was having issues with that. So if you could speak while I pull it back up, please. Sure. So, yes. So you've been listening to Conversation Reparations, sponsored by INCOBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. This Radio broadcast is broadcasted on the first and third Monday of each month. And so you can look forward to our next installment on the third Monday, which will be the 21st of October. And we will continue to bring you information about what's happening in the reparations movement and sometimes also looking at what has happened in the reparations movement. We like to call our story. And because all of everything that's happened in the past is still relevant to today. So again, our story brings us, sets the tone for whatever happens today in the present. And so you're listening to Conversation Reparations. Uh, the website for INCOBRA is www.incobraonline.org. That's incobraonline.org, N-C-O-B-R-A, incobraonline.org. You can find out more information about INCOBRA and our upcoming convention in Selma, Alabama. Okay, and uh, just um, I'm just about there. I had to go back to my email. My browser giving me problems. So to the listeners, I apologize for the technical issues, but you know we working through it. And um, I'm just pulling it up now, and we'll go right into this song created by uh, these young people. Okay, so this is a song that was created by a young man named Jay Z. 
out. So here we go. When we come to Washington in this campaign, we're coming to get our check. Reparations, Martin said we coming for our check. Reparations, say it loud. What you might check? Cream, cash rules, everything around me. Dream. My legacy, you can't stop me. Coming for our 40 acres, ain't y'all 40 and our paper. Kicking the door. Coming for our 40 acres and more. I'm 6.4 trillion. Miss that no, we fought the Civil War. We came from the poor.
and cobraonline.org, N-C-O-B-R-A online.org. America bounced the check, and no, it ain't all about the dough, but my people still pull, reparations is due, so just give me what you owe. No, we won't renounce the debt, America bounced the check, and no, it ain't all about the dough, but my people still pull, reparations is due, so just give me what you owe. Capitalists are the enemy, but we get treated like the villain, when prison is homicide, cause they making a killing, and war generates more loot, so that's why Bush is going off, Like 